You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash Thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash Thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Marcy Rader, and she is a productivity performance coach. We're going to talk to her a little about her background. She's also an author called Beyond Travel, A Road Warrior's Survival Guide. I'm looking forward to hearing more about this. Having been a road warrior in previous lives, uh, I know the grind, and I'm curious to hear what she has to say and her suggestions, her advice on how to be more productive uh, and how to be more successful. So with that, Marcy, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So why don't we start a little bit with background? You know, I've read a little bit about your story. I know that uh, you had uh, an interesting kind of series of life events. I, you've had an interesting background, both as a professional and as an athlete. Why don't you tell us a little bit more of that? And then we can talk a little bit about what you're doing now. Sure. I worked for about 14 years in the pharmaceutical and biotech clinical research industry, which was a, a pivot from my degrees. I I have degrees in exercise science and nutrition, but I only spent a couple years in that field because that those were selfish degrees. Uh, I really just wanted to learn those <laughs> for myself. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, went into pharmaceutical research, worked my way up the ladder. And during that time, I traveled 42 to 48 weeks a year. Wow. For about a decade, which is why I wrote two books on business travel, productivity and health. And during that time, I also competed in over 100 endurance and ultra endurance events, two Ironmans during my heaviest year of business travel, competed in races up to 48 hours in length um, in um, adventure racing, and left the industry to start my own company, teaching people how to be productive and healthy on the road. That was what I thought I was going to do. And what happened after a year was that I I was getting a lot of people saying, I want you to teach me what you're teaching them just without the travel part. And so now um, the the company is really just focused on productivity and health behaviors to increase performance at work and home. And travel is just a vertical. But during that time, and and because you alluded to my story, during that time of travel and and endurance racing and ladder climbing, I was a serious high achiever and perfectionist and going, going, going and looked like the healthiest person in the room, thought I was the healthiest person in the room, but um, ended up triggering three autoimmune diseases and went into menopause at the age of 36. And so that also shifted how I wanted to have my business and help people because, you know, that... Um, those were all things that I triggered and was a mindset that I needed to overcome because you can be a superwoman and a superman without being a superhero. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm just kind of curious in terms of the model that you use or the model that you've developed around mm-hmm. kind of productivity. I mean, how do you define productivity or how do you define high productivity from your experience and what you work with clients on? Right. Great question. I used to define it as whoever checks the most boxes wins. And at the end of the day, and really it's it doesn't matter how many boxes you check if the right boxes are not being checked. When I speak, I wear these tall boots that lace up and I'll say, you know, I can tie and untie my shoes all day and keep myself very busy, but I'm not productive. <laughs> I'm not effective. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter. And so really it's looking at, you know, all the things, and I say that like with in all caps, all the things that we have to do in our professional and personal life. And are we getting the right things done? Yeah. And by that, even focusing on ourselves as well, because a lot of people, including myself, will say things like, you know, someday when I get this promotion, then I'll do X. Someday when my business reaches, you know, this amount in revenue, then I'll get X. Someday when I move, someday when my kids, you know, leave the house, whatever it is, then that's when we're going to do something else that where we focus on ourselves. And so also looking at it from, you know, why are we waiting until someday to then get the help that we need or focus on ourselves? Yeah, there's kind of two things in there I'd love to dig into a little bit. I mean, one is that idea of, you know, running as fast as you can up the wrong mountain is not, you know, is not going to get you anywhere. (laughs) So it's like choosing, you know, have you really identified what your objectives and and goals are and the why and the purpose behind it? So I would love to talk about that a little bit more. And then the second one is really this kind of idea of what is the order or what what are the causal order to some of these things where it's like, okay, well, I'm going to be successful and then I'm going to be healthy. <laughs> or, mm-hmm. or I'm gonna, yes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this work in order to then be able to spend time or energy with my family or something. You know, I think that there's right. a lot of this kind of delayed focus, and I think at some level, you know, questioning the order to these things. So let's let's talk about the goal thing first. So how, when you work with folks, or even in your own experience, where where do people kind of get these the goal, the question of goals, or or, or this kind of focus on? being busy versus being productive, where do they get it wrong? And what are some of the things that that you suggest or you help people do in terms of ordering that a little bit better or getting clear on those things? Mm -hmm. I think that we currently in our society wear two badges. One is the I only sleep four hours a night badge, um, which I can't stand. You know, the one where it's like you're proud of how little sleep that you get. And then the other one is how busy you are. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, if, if, if we were to ask little kids, you know, what's your mommy's name? What's your daddy's name? They'd probably say busy because (laughs) that's, that's how people will introduce themselves. It's like, Hey, how's Uh, it going? I'm busy, busy. And, you know, I, I love that Tim Ferriss says busy is a choice because it absolutely is. And what I help people do is, work on their business with an I and not their busyness with a Y. And when I look at my task list or I'm looking at stuff that I'm supposed to do, it's, you know, is this advancing my business or my busyness? And I think sometimes it's hard especially as you're as you're moving through your business life to, um, you know, as things change or grow, some things that might have been business before are now busyness. You know, it should be something that is outsourced or delegated because the ROI for you is, you know, not worth it. 
or somebody could be doing that better. And the more responsibilities you have, the more you need to really set boundaries and think about, is this busyness or business? And from a task perspective, and I just talked about this morning with the client is when we look at our list of everything that we need to do today, you know, a lot of times it's easy to pick that low hanging fruit and it feels good to just check a box. Oh yeah. But I always ask myself repeatedly throughout the day, actually, is if I were to go on vacation tomorrow, what would I absolutely need to get done right now today? Because the most productive day is always the day before you go on vacation because you're trying to get (laughs) things done. You don't want that hanging over your head. And if you are a knowledge worker or you're on the computer a lot, you can even ask yourself, you know, if I only had two hours of juice left on my computer, what would I need to get done? And those kinds of questions you can even expand into, you know, if I can only work on my business for one month or I only had this amount of time, what would I need to get done? And then you start seeing how a lot of boxes don't need to be checked. Yeah, that's interesting. I think there's a lot of kind of good strategy or good technique in this structured urgency or or creating systems around creating urgency to force those kind of decisions? Because I think that's part of it. I mean, certainly, you know, if we don't have that kind of urgency, that real external urgency to force that stuff, we will get lulled into the unproductive tasks, the, you know, the busyness in terms of, you know, well, let's just check a bunch of boxes. How many boxes can I check today? Versus the, okay, well, yeah, you you literally are going on vacation tomorrow. What would you do? Mm -hmm. You know, that forced kind of importance. I mean, it gets in terms of, so given, given that urgency, so creating that urgency, how do you suggest people kind of look at the tasks in front of them in terms of, or at least, I guess, is there some bigger conversation that you have with clients or the people you work with around their purpose or their higher level goals or kind of giving them clarity or tools around some of these things? Because I think that sometimes people just, they haven't taken the time. They haven't taken the time to really identify those higher level priorities. So, you know, asking them to, to do something the day before vacation becomes a little bit of a you know, there's a lot of confusion or uncertainty in that. Right. And and you're absolutely right. It goes back much further than just tasks and, and seeing what's right in front of you. And so I am a natural goal setter. Mm-hmm. You know, I have them all over my whiteboard and, and um, you know, the things that I want to do. But one of the first questions that I ask people when they, you know, you know, when people sign up with me, they say, you know, I want these things to happen or I want to feel this way. And, you know, is this an old belief? Is this something that just that you've wanted for a really long time? And do you even still want those things? Is it something that you just think you should want or be doing because people around you say you should or people people around you are doing those things? Or is it actually something that you want? And and should is is a word that I try to get people not to use. Because anytime you say should, you're saying I'm I failed. And so to me, you know, like I should exercise more, I should eat more vegetables, I should call my clients more, and then you're shooting on yourself. Yeah. And, and so, you know, are, are you going, are you coming into this goal already with a sense of failure and trying to overcome that failure, you know, looking at it from that perspective as well. Well, and I like this idea of, of what is driving these goals. And I guess my first thought is it's kind of an intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation question. Mm-hmm. Is this, are you doing this because you think someone else, because either you're trying to make someone else happy or you think you think you need to do it because of someone else's 
kind of approval or norms or kind of structure, or are you doing this for yourself? I mean, I, I guess do you find do you find a lot of folks have have these kind of goals when you sit down and start mapping out their goals and their bigger picture and their purpose that it ends up being very externally focused or focused on other things and not really about what they internally want to do? Sometimes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Or they feel especially high achievers, which tend to be who I'm working with, yeah. they feel like they need to be doing it all and or they're comparing themselves to so, as an example, I had a, a guy who I was trying to help him organize his, you know, all the many things that he was doing. He had three different businesses that he was running and, you know, he had a family, he had a lot going on. And so we were working, you know, I was moving him into a task management system because systems are sexy. Mm-hmm. And the way to save yourself from yourself is systems a lot of times. Yep. And um, his response to me was, well, Richard Branson doesn't have a task list. He doesn't keep a task list. And I said, you know, Richard Branson has people yeah, to exactly. follow him around wherever he goes. Yeah. And when you're at Richard Branson level, maybe you don't need to have, you know, a system in yeah. place, but we need to have a system. And and so, you know, I think sometimes people will look at people in the media and they will read something about what they're doing or hear something about what they're doing, which a lot of times is just a soundbite and doesn't even tell the whole story. Yeah. You know, Richard Branson could have said, I don't keep a task list because I have an entire team that helps me to be able to work in my line of genius because they take care of all these things. But all he saw was one quote that said, you know, I don't have a task list. Yeah. And but, you know, on the other hand, the same person, he wanted to lose weight. And I was asking him why he wanted to lose weight. And he kept giving me these very superficial answers. You know, well, my doctor told me mm-hmm. I need to. And he, we kept going, we kept going. And finally, it came down to he said, I feel like if I don't lose weight, then my wife won't think I'm attractive and she's going to leave me. Yeah. Boom. That's yeah. way more motivating and, and than, you know, my doctor told me. I need to. That's never why somebody wants to. I mean, you know, that's never going to be the reason why somebody goes forward with healthy behaviors is because somebody that they see once or twice a year says, hey, you need to lose weight. Yeah, there's going to be something else underlying. Yeah. Well, and I like that as it's digging to the kind of the more meaningful impact, impactful kind of motivating, motivating purpose behind that. Um, yes, the Simon Sinek why. You know, yeah. just keep drilling, drilling, drilling until you figure out really why. Yeah. Well, and I like that I was going to comment on the uh, Richard Branson one. I think that that's one I see all the time, I mean, whether it's in productivity or strategy or business. And, you know, it's just people seeing examples of something and saying, oh, well, this works for them, so it must work for me. And mm-hmm. I, I think there's two, the two problems <laughs> typically are one is, you know, as you pointed out, I mean, he's, you know, Richard's working at a just different level, right? You know, he's, he's, yeah. and he has a team and he has, you know, a lot of other structure around him that, compensate for the fact that you know he doesn't have that system or that he, do, he isn't doing that the other thing is kind of the there's a classic kind of uh, causal you know thinking around that stuff and meaning that oh well, he didn't keep a list and that's what made him great you know in fact if he kept a list maybe he'd be twice as good <laughs> as he was now right. he's just overcompensated right. for another way so that's often you know we'll kind of look at that and say all right well is that a unique case or is that really a causal relationship and can we you know can we verify that or not but it's a hard one for yeah. business because it is so it's so easy to look at these these cases that that may be exceptional cases they may be irregularities in the in the data that uh, that people then rely on as being 
the model. But let's talk a little bit about the kind of the holistic performance. I mean, the, you know, the, the the professional side, the personal side, the health side. How I guess how do you approach that kind of thinking of productivity from a holistic standpoint, and how do you help with the people that you work with in terms of assessing that, kind of figuring out where the priorities need to be? I mean, if they they want to you know climb the corporate ladders faster, but you know maybe they really need to focus on you know their relationships and they need to focus on their physical health if they're really going to get higher level of professional performance I mean what's your what's your process or what's your thinking around that right well I believe health and productivity go together that you can't have one without the other and so when I work with private clients it's we're working you know on one or two behaviors at a time and sometimes those behaviors overlap uh, for example I I believe that screen-free lunches are really important mm-hmm. at work or screen-free dinners. And I'm not so unrealistic that I think you, you know, I don't say don't ever have a, you know, a lunch in front of a screen because that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But one of the best things you can do for your productivity if you work at, you know, a typical day job or is to step away from the screen. And even if it's just for 10 or 15 minutes. So, you know, that's a productivity behavior because it increases your productivity uh, later in the afternoon, but it's also a health behavior because when we eat in front of a screen, it does not get imprinted on our brain that we've eaten anything. And so people, um, one study, I think it was Brian Wansick did the study that um, people would eat up to 30% more calories later in the day because they weren't satisfied and that, that didn't get imprinted on their brain. Yeah. yeah. And so that is an easy, easy, you know, crossover in behaviors. So I, you know, I just started with a company a couple weeks ago and two of their employees, their focus is two screen free lunches a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's their that's their focus behavior. Walking meetings are, you know, very, again, yeah, a, a really big crossover. Yeah. And so you know, they're not just good for your butt, they're good for your brain, because they will increase walking increases creativity and collaboration when done with three or less people. And you're, you know, you're able to use both hemispheres of the brain because you're moving both sides of the body. So and it gets you out of your natural element, you're more likely to be open and honest, it decreases real or perceived hierarchy, you know, and everybody's like, Oh, my gosh, wow, I just thought this was a walk. You know, it's like, no, this is science, this is actually helping us be more productive. So I look at those types of things. But also, When I have surveyed companies or when I speak for conferences or events and I'm able to survey with a scorecard ahead of time, in the question, you know, where do I fall behind the most, personal or professional tasks, no matter who I have done the scorecard with, the majority always say personal. And so when I'm working with people, we're working as much on the personal as we are the professional. Because if you're at work and you have things overwhelming you at home, it's going to cross out, you know, you're going to think about that. And a lot of people work at home and not just work from home, but they also work all day somewhere and then they go home and work. And so even when I'm like helping people get to inbox zero or whatever that means for them, and we're really working on strict productivity behaviors, I'm thinking about it in the terms of if we're able to get your email under control, then that gives you an hour or two hours back at night that you can then focus on your family or yourself. So even when I'm in there with the systems part, Mm. it's because I want the the personal or the relationship or the health part to then benefit from that. Yeah. I guess how much do you need to kind of 
coach or sort of diagnose sort of the systems that people are in or in the environments that people are in? And, you know, because I think sometimes people certainly feel that they're, you know, kind of a victim of their situation or a victim of the, of the context that they're in or the external externalities that they're trying to function within. How do you help them either kind of assess that and, and reset or rethink some of those things? And then how much do you actually work with, you know, teams or at least the people that are surrounding these folks and either, you know, improving the dynamics or, you know, creating kind of external structures to help them with the goals that they're trying to achieve. Talk, talk to me a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Well, even when a person, when it's a private client and they're working within a company mm-hmm. and they're using Outlook or Google Suite, and, and I'm using email as an example, yep. I've never met anybody that has all their settings set up the most efficient way because the default is never the most efficient way. Yeah. You know, a lot of times people, nobody, you know, Rarely has have people taken an, an Outlook class or a yeah. Gmail class to know actually, you know, how to to set things up. So even from that perspective, I can help people to get to the most effective settings. But most of those things are behavior based, and we also um, teach people how we work. Mm-hmm. and how we respond. Yeah. And when we teach people that we are reactors, they will expect us to be reactors. Um, <laughs> if we teach people yeah. we respond um, within an hour or within 24 hours, you know that's what's expected. But when we ping somebody back immediately, then that's what we've trained them that we do. When I work with an entire team, we can make really massive shifts because then everybody's on the same page and they're working through this together. But it is never just the system. It is always the behavior. It's system tool plus behavior. You having the best system isn't going to work if you don't have the behavior to match it. Yeah, no, that's funny. I always tell I have a lot of clients that tell me they, they complain. They're like, why does everyone email me late at night with all these problems that they have? And, I, and my answer is always because you fix them. Yes, <laughs> you know, and you're just basically training yeah. them. Them to send you more. I said, stop and stop answering your email at night. <laughs> They'll stop sending you emails. It's it's such well, a and, reverse. And beyond that, thing. stop looking at your email at yeah. night. You know, he's he's part. Yeah, he's contributing to the problem. Yeah, I was one of one of my favorite kind of when we're working on delegation and stuff is. Um, my, my rule is once you've delegated something to somebody is anytime they have a question, you agree to sit down with them in 24 hours to answer it. And you create a buffer, you create space between between that. And 90% of the things that <laughs> they come to you will now get solved in other ways. Like it forces them to be productive or, or, or you know get creative and figure out how else could I solve this. And, and you have 24 hours, I'll sit down with you and I'll do it. But I'm forcing them to, to be you know, a little more resourceful before they come back and ask for, ask for help. Yes, I love that. And one of the things that I talk to people, especially managers, is that they have become Siri. <laughs> and we as a society, you know, we I, I want to know who this actor is on this movie. And I just ask Siri, mm-hmm. you know, like and I and I get the answer immediately. Yeah. And we are used to that now. And with instant message, if we have a thought pop in our head, then it comes out our fingers typing, you know, on an instant message or mm-hmm. text or whatever. And we make our managers or we make our CEOs or directors, whoever Siri. And so it's teaching people that they are not Siri. And even if it's that that they don't respond for an hour or two hours, you know, most people will figure out the answer on their own. Yeah. yeah. Like you said. And, and in mm-hmm. fact, there's learning in finding that answer that probably 
you know, gives them new skills and capabilities that will be yes. more successful in life. Sure. So what are some of the other sort of classic things that you run into or, or classic things you help your clients with? Or what are some strategies that, that might help some of our audience members in terms of helping them be more productive, reach peak productivity? Right. I am a big believer in boundaries and setting them ahead of time, especially from a personal perspective. But mm-hmm. Even from a business perspective, if you have those boundaries set in place first, then it takes the emotion and the decision fatigue away when you get asked that question later. Something as simple as, you know, for me, I I get a lot of people that want to sit down and pick my brain, which I hate that question, or want to meet for coffee or something like that. And, you know, a lot of my clients are not in, I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina, and a lot of my clients are not here, and I've never had to sit down with them and meet them for coffee. Um, um, you know, we just meet virtually. And so I have a I have a rule that I don't meet you for coffee first unless I've had a phone call with you. Yep. And because you you could in 10 minutes figure out if this is going somewhere or not and and hang up the phone and both people feel fine. But if you've driven to a coffee shop, you are now invested. And, you know, you, you've spent mm-hmm. 15, 20 minutes driving. You're not going to buy a latte and then leave after 10 minutes. And so, like, I have that boundary created ahead of time. And I have a canned email template, like a canned email that it. says, in order to make our time productive for both of us, blah, blah, blah. I only serve on one board at a time. You know, I only donate to two charities. I have rules set in place that if people ask me to don't like if my nieces ask me to donate or buy cookies or Mm -hmm. popcorn or whatever it is they're selling they have to send me a video of that request because they don't live near me it can't just be that their mom sends me you know like hey so I have these little boundaries set in place I also have strong boundaries on my time I am a morning person that's my Mm. productive time and I don't start client calls until nine and I have Another coach once say, you know, oh, morning is my time too, but I start my coaching calls at 7 a.m. I said, that's great, but that's that's my time. I don't give that up. I don't give that up. You know, so it's it's setting these boundaries ahead of time, um, especially especially from a business perspective with the canned response. If you have certain ways that you want to respond, then everybody around you, if they know what that canned response is, um, they know your boundaries, then then they're better able to protect that as well. Yeah, I like that. And and I, I just think of some things that I do with teams or that I've done with teams to to kind of make make that part of the working agreement between everyone in terms of like we had have a couple of teams that agree that, you know, they're not going to or if, if anyone anything that gets CC'd can automatically go to archive. Meaning that mm-hmm. if you CC someone, everyone agrees that that person does not need to read it. It just means Correct. that they have a record of it. Should something come up, they want to re- review it. But yep. they, they're not. There's no expectation of me of reading a CC email, and um, you know, and, and so setting up these kind of boundaries and agreements between uh, individuals and between a team can really drive you know a lot of that productivity. Just because you've you've you've, you've identified the process that you're going to use and helping people make sure that they focus on the things that need focus. Right. That's good. Any other any other kind of things you run into a lot that you think people in our audience are probably struggling with or likely struggling with and how they might address it? I think that personal time always tends to get put on the back burner. Yeah. And it's underestimated how much we need that recharge in order to move forward. 
And um, that kind of goes back to that someday. And I lived by someday my whole adult life. And I'm 44 now. While I raced and everything, like I said, I, I thought I was healthy, but yeah. I was always waiting for someday to to do. It didn't matter what it was. I was waiting for it. And something um, really affected me last year. We celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary mm-hmm. and we went through some of the letters that we wrote each other because I had saved them all. We'd saved wow. them all and we were going through the letters yeah. and I came across three cards and letters that I wrote. Our One was our third year we were dating. One was at our wedding. And then another one was a year after we got married. And in each of those, I talked about how someday, or I didn't use the word someday, but I said, you know, when I get back or when I graduate from grad school or when I get this job, then I will be able to focus on you more. I read that and I, I lost, wow, <laughs> like, yeah. I lost it on myself. Yeah. Like even back then, I was telling my husband, who is more important to me mm-hmm. than anybody outside of taking care of myself, that he was second to whatever it was that I was doing. Yeah. And when I finished that thing, then he was going to get more Marcy. And th- that really was quite profound for me to read that. Yeah. No, I can imagine. I mean, uh, it's uh. And it's so common. I mean, it's just so this kind of delayed or this uh, putting off off those things. So how? So because I think that's that that's probably you know the majority of folks listening you know have 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 something they feel is really important in their life. Uh, you know, an important person, mm-hmm. an important activity, uh, an important aspect of you know what makes them happy and who they are that they're not. They, they feel like they're not doing because they have to do something else first. How how do they reset that? How do they kind of reframe that? in terms of how they think about productivity or how they manage themselves or how they manage their work? What are some strategies? For people who have a hard time setting those boundaries, I think it's, and I'm not saying this just because I'm I'm a coach, um, <laughs> because I have a coach. Yeah. I have a coach as well. Yeah. And she makes me do difficult things yeah. and holds me accountable to them. And so I think having a coach to walk through those or having an accountability partner or group mm-hmm. is really important. And this cannot be your friend. It cannot yeah. be your spouse yeah. because they are going to let you slide or it's going to be uncomfortable for them to challenge you. Mm-hmm. They have a vested interest. So having having someone else talk you through those and hold you accountable, I think is important. I've never needed anybody for the most part. Well, I won't say never, but, you know, I don't really need somebody to hold me accountable for things like, you know, checking boxes and getting the tasks done. I mean, that's the easy stuff. It's this kind of stuff where I'm actually, you know, um, having to make much more profound, impactful decisions that are uncomfortable because if they weren't, if they were comfortable, I'd be doing it already. Yeah. 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 And And I'm not. And so that's why I have, you know, I have this, I have a coach to help me, to help push me through that. And so that's what I, I help my clients do as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that whole, I think the, the, the other thing I find in that stuff is, People think that the in order to do that thing, it's a, a huge, massive, all-consuming task. And you know, figuring out how to break it down, you know, spend, spending more time with your spouse doesn't mean you know you have to take three weeks off a of vacation together. You know, right. it's really getting into that. Well, what does it really mean? And what does the spouse really want? Mm-hmm. And what is that? You know, how can you really think about that quality time as being a daily thing? You know, a weekly thing yeah. rather than oh, well, it means that I need to 
you know, I need, yeah, I need to take a month off or something, you know, and I think that's right. And it's hard because those are, those are sometimes difficult conversations and sometimes you actually have, have to have some questions and you have to like really figure it out and you have to break it down into things. And, uh, yeah, but it, it just makes it, I think that whole idea of, you know, creating something you can then actually be accountable for and you can have a system and a team that that's going to, you know, kind of reflect back on you and saying, Hey, look, this is what we talked about a while ago. You said these are your priorities. You know, let's look at what you're doing. Is that, is that really the case? Are you really living the, the priorities you want to live? I think it's a really important, important part of it. Yeah. And you said something very important, um, which was, you know, if that's what they want, because, you know, we may think that they want to spend every single night with us. Um, but if it's just watching Netflix at the same, you know, at the same time being in the same room, that's not important to them. But for other people, it might be, yes, I just want you to be in the room with me. You know, like we, if we don't even know what it is that they want, um, we may just be assuming that it's what we want or, or, you know, just making assumptions in general. And, you know, a lot of times I will, I just had um, a meeting with somebody last week. She's managing new staff, about 50 new staff. And she was, you know, asking about how often she should meet with them for one-to-ones and to be able to make this connection because it's a new job. And I said, well, have you asked anybody how often they want you to meet with them? <laughs> exactly. And it never crossed her mind. And uh, they, they are all um, scientists and, you know, Scientists tend to be more introverted, but it may not be the case. But I said, you know, they may only want to meet with you once a month and that might be their fill, you know. And um, I said, you know, why don't you ask them how often they want to meet with you? And, and that was, you know, she hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, classic. Good. Marcy, this has been a pleasure. Um, if people want to find out more about you, about the work that you do, what's the best way to get that information? Sure. My coaching website is marcyrader.com, M-A-R-C-E-Y-R-A-D-E-R. Um, the team coaching website and the company where I come, go into companies is workwellplaymore.com. And then the book that you mentioned is beyondtravelbook.com. Great. I'll and then sure. I'm also, yeah. I'm, I'm LinkedIn only. So you can also Ooh. find me on LinkedIn. I like it. I'll make sure that all those, uh, all the URLs and the link to your LinkedIn is on the show notes so people can click through and then get those. Marcy, thank you so much for taking the time. Great conversation. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.